0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Brulansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. and what do you want to talk to about today, Horwat? Is there, is there something going on in the Penguins universe? Oh, they had a game last night, actually, and it went uh, not so well. We're going to talk for the first time in a long time. We usually don't talk game to game, but... There was so much that happened over the weekend. We need to discuss the Pittsburgh Penguins' disastrous road trip in the desert because they did not look good in the third period against the Vegas Golden Knights. They didn't look good really at all against the Arizona Coyotes, and it ended with one of the most embarrassing displays of a delayed penalty that you could imagine in the history of the National Hockey League by two potentially future Hall of Famers. We'll get into all of it in this episode, including Kyle Dubas now being put in a tough spot by the Pittsburgh Penguins with their current performance, and Evgeny Malkin and Eric Carlson. It's just not working between the two of them. How can you make it work with these two not meshing well 44 games into the season? We got a lot to get into Horwat, but how you doing this morning? Obviously, it was a late night. It's been a couple late nights. Fortunately, the Penguins only have one more road trip out west. That is the very, very late road trip as they go to Western Canada in a couple of months. But how are we feeling today after sleeping on that absolutely horrible performance last night from the Ari- or from the Pittsburgh Penguins in Arizona? Yeah, I
1: slept on it. That doesn't mean it, things got any better. That's, uh, nope. <laughs> that was tough i mean you look at both of those games you look at the third period against vegas and then you look at all three against arizona uh less than ideal and it just really makes you think that this team is just absolutely throwing away a phenomenal possible mvp season from Sidney crosby mm-hmm. um into what can only be described as as a roller coaster because they're doing good things like this isn't a totally terrible season all things told i mean they've had good runs but at the same time far too many of these mistakes are adding up and just the cherry on top just the cherry on top the creme de la creme the cream of the crop all of it with that own goal that just honestly could end up defining the season I know there's still a little under half the season left to play but that's going to be hard to honestly hard to rebuild from they're lucky they have some days off and a bye week coming up to maybe recuperate maybe rejuvenate and Um, come back stronger after the All-Star break, but it sounds like a damn near impossible task. And (laughs) we got a lot to discuss here, but at the same time, if there's any bright spot, I know it was a loss to Vegas. I know you don't think so. I'm sure you do think so. That was a cool moment for uh, uh, Brendan Brisson in Vegas.
0: Yeah, it's cool that he was able to score his first NHL goal with his former babysitter, Sidney Crosby, on the ice. But at the end of the day, It's not that cool to me considering how bad it made Evgeny Malkin look and Evgeny Malkin had a couple of bad third periods. And let's get it, you know, let's not get it twisted. The entire team performed poorly over the last four periods in Vegas, in Arizona, like you mentioned. They were outscored eight to two in those final couple of periods. They come away empty-handed in the desert, come out with zero points out of a possible four. After playing a really good 40 minutes, of course, they were dominating the Vegas Golden Knights in that opening 40, but they had a two to nothing lead. They were playing well, they were playing half decently defensively. Tristan Jari was looking good. And since then, that second intermission. It has been absolutely downhill into probably the basement. We, we talk about some of the lows the Pittsburgh Penguins have had this season. This has to contend with one of their worst losses and one of the lowest lows that they have had on this roller coaster, as you as you said. This has to be one of the worst losses. I think, in my opinion, this was the worst loss of the season, and it goes toe to toe with some of the worst losses of last season as well.
1: Absolutely, I was just about to bring up last season because so far it does stick out as the worst loss of this season. Nothing else is really striking me at the moment. I'm sure if I you know gave a couple of seconds to think about it, the Toronto game seven uh, nothing would come to my head. Yeah. Um. But this one could easily go up with. You know, some of those games from last year, that Carolina loss in overtime right before the Christmas break last year. Uh, the Edmonton Fire Hextall game. The Chicago Blackhawks last home game of the season. It, those three come to mind right away from last year. This year, it's going to turn into this Arizona game, 7 nothing Toronto i can't think of a third one at the moment but it's gonna stack up this specific loss and this and that specific moment even if the thing is like even if that own goal doesn't happen the penguins probably still lose because they're playing that bad but i feel like maybe it doesn't get emphasized as much but Mm -hmm. it happened and that's what is going to add so much more weight to it it now gets put up with those sort of games It's going to be one we talk about at the end of the season. If this team misses the playoffs, it'll be the first game we go back to, probably.
0: Yeah, a loss in the desert is a loss in the desert. A loss to the Arizona Coyotes is a loss to the Arizona Coyotes. But when you get embarrassed in the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins got embarrassed, in a game that you needed a response, you came out in that third period in Vegas and you crapped your pants. That's what you did. You crapped your pants, and you came out with no points to show for it. You needed a response, and not only did nobody respond. I mean, maybe Sidney Crosby. It's hard to take – it's hard to separate one player, though. When you look at a complete team just blow up Mm -hmm. that you saw on the ice in Arizona last night, Crosby performed well. His line looked pretty good. But at the end of the day, again, they crapped themselves. And and in the most embarrassing way possible, because now everybody in the National Hockey League will have seen that goal. Mm-hmm. It's going to live on. That is going to be a goal that ends up being one of the first plays that people think of when they think of the 2023-24 season. And that's why this is a low point right now. Rob Rossi tweeted yesterday, there's a difference between effort and execution. They're not the same thing, and it's not even close. Last night, I'm going to say that I saw both. Mm-hmm. A lack of effort and a lack of execution. For the most part, it was just a lack of execution. The Pittsburgh Penguins just didn't have their game last night. They they weren't playing well. They were, trying, they were fighting it from the very beginning. The Arizona Coyotes were all over them. They couldn't get any room to breathe in the offensive zone, in the neutral zone. They couldn't clear the puck in the defensive zone. So it was the lack of execution that was hurting them most of the game. Once that own goal went in... That's where you saw the lack of effort, and that hasn't happened very much this season. I know there are some fans that want to come on and want to say, you know, they've shown a lack of effort all the time. They give up time after time after time. They don't give up. They just don't have the execution, and it gets harder and harder when you're down goals late in games. Last night was last night was an effort issue after that own goal, and I think anybody in their right mind would have seen that go in, saw the Penguins go down 4-2. to There was plenty of time left on the clock. But you knew they weren't coming back after that own goal went in. There's just no way they were gonna be able to bounce back from that, especially considering the way that they had performed that night and the what and considering what had happened two nights prior in Vegas.
1: After that own goal happened, it almost it essentially it felt like that team just stopped. It felt like that they pulled the plug on it. I am trying to see how many shots they actually took after that own goal happened. And I'll give them the power play. They did have a power play opportunity after If they recorded a shot there, you're supposed to, you're on the power play. <laughs> After that ensuing power play, though, I want to know how many shots on goal they actually took. Because it didn't seem like many. It didn't feel like many. It didn't feel like they had possession um, almost at all for the rest of the game. Uh, it, the team gave up, essentially. That took the wind out of their sails, and they yeah. threw in the towel. And again, yeah, Cindy Crosby had a great game. He, Cindy Crosby, like I said, is putting up MVP, another MVP-style season. That goal was yeah. ridiculous. It, and had they not, you know, surrendered a tally right after, maybe we're discussing the idea that that goal was a turning point for that game because it mm-hmm. could have been. It very well should have been. Because it was something ridiculous that Sidney Crosby did. It extended a almost a falsity or a farce of a nine-game point streak for Eric Carlson. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, but just it wasn't. They immediately gave another goal and. Lo and behold, the own goal happens early in the third period, and there goes the the downhill slide.
0: That's what I think is worse than the own goal. The own goal is going to get played time and time again. Hockey highlights don't make SportsCenter unless they're really good or really bad. That's going to be on Center today and, and SportsNet and every other hot, like sports news highlight show. It's going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's going to be Chris Letang dropping the pass back and Evgeny Malkin whiffing on it and deflecting it into his own net. But it's the response after the tying goal that that that's the one that sticks with me when trying to evaluate what I saw last night. The own goal is the own goal. It is a buildup of really a lot of different things that have come to pass. And it was the explosion point that might change some things going forward, as we'll talk about. But the response after that tying goal, I mean, Sidney Crosby said, oh my God, twice in that game, after he made a beautiful goal to tie the game and Pull this team that didn't deserve to be tied in this game back even with the Arizona Coyotes. And he said, oh, my God, after he saw Evgeny Malkin whiff on the puck and go into his own net. He put his hands up above his head. He had no idea what was going on. Chris Letang said, oh, my God, when that happened as well. The own goal was bad, but the response after the tying goal is the one that I think is the more troubling issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins moving forward because it's the one that has happened time and time again this season. The Coyotes, yeah, they had a massive push. You have to give them credit. They came out and they they lit a fire under their butts because it was a tie game and they thought that they deserved to be in the lead, which they did because they had outplayed the Pittsburgh Penguins at that point. Crosby scores an amazing goal and this is where I feel so bad for Sidney Crosby. He doesn't touch the ice again until the Penguins are down a goal. And it's not like he was off for a very long time. Yeah. Two shifts later, the Penguins had already given up another goal and they were down once again. This guy has been chasing all season long to trying to get the penguins back to even and the rest of the team can't even keep them there. Once he gets them there.
1: Yeah, they can't, they can't. It's is it's so brutal. It's, <clears throat> I got, I, I texted you last night after the uncle. I have no words. I'm mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's a tough stance to take when you have a podcast. Yeah. And, and it's hard wor- to have
0: no words on an audio platform. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I kind of need to come up with words. It's just so hard to come up with them. It's baffling almost, uh, i did count yeah. if i counted correctly i think the penguins have four shots after that own goal by the way um it's it's embarrassing it's just totally embarrassing it's laughing stock of the league type moments i mean yep and like you said that not having a good response after that game time goal because again it's sydney crosby doing ridiculous things he scores an unreal goal there's a Sidney Crosby never breaks character. He's like an actor, right? He never breaks character. He's <laughs> yeah. locked in and in the zone at all times, even after he does ridiculous nonsense like that. What did the camera find him doing? Laughing. Laughing after the goal. That felt good, I bet, for him. Just to kind of, yeah. hey, look at look what I can still do. This age <clears throat> against this team that uh, they're doing better, but still aren't supposed to be good. We're playing in a college arena. <laughs> it. He does that, and you're thinking, every Penguins fan's thinking, look at that laugh. He's about to go back out on the next shift and find two more somehow. No, he's not, because by the time he gets out for the next shift, they're down again. Happened in all two, I would say all three, but Penguins only scored twice. After both of their goals, they gave up the next one immediately.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, they, they it, got nothing. Yeah. It's, it's not about following it up with the goal. It's about just carrying the momentum, holding the momentum. And that's what you asked the bottom six to do. That's what you asked the second line to do. Listen, the bottom six is not alone in this. The second line has not been good enough. And we've talked, I've talked at least at nauseum about Evgeny Malkin. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but you look at what the remainder of the team is doing whenever Sidney Crosby's off the ice and you just think, how is this team ever going to get into the playoffs? Like, that's, that's where I'm at at this point. It's like, yes, they've played well over the past month. They have. They've they've won 10 games in the past like, couple of weeks. They're, they're, I think, let me look at the record. I have it down here. They're 10, 5, yep. and 3, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's what I got that's written a, down. That's a good record. That's a record that if you would have been able to continue that throughout the remainder of the season, you might make the postseason. But watching this team night in and night out, even if they make the postseason, it's like the Heath Ledger Joker quote. I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. The Penguins are not going to know what to do once they get to the postseason because they give up leads in the third period. They give up goals directly after they score, no matter how big of a momentum shift it should be when they score. And as Bob Grove tweeted last night, and this is the one that I think is the biggest issue that I saw out of those three, the Penguins are now 0, 10, and 4 in their last 14 games when trailing after two periods. So, they can't keep a third-period lead, and if they go into the third-period trailing, they can't come back. The last time the Pittsburgh Penguins came back, when down by at least a goal going into the third-period, was the third game of the season. Horawat, we just concluded the 44th game of the season. Mm-hmm. Penguins don't have a comeback victory since Calgary in the opening week oh, in October. Good. That's, good. that's an indictment on this team, because that you know, I talked about the effort versus execution. I'm not saying that's a lack of effort, but that's a lack of execution in the biggest moments. And that is not a team. That is not a, it's not a trade of a team that's going to be able to make the postseason and more importantly, make any noise in the postseason, which that's the goal. This is not a team that can say, well, we're building towards something. You need to be built right now. And the Penguins aren't built for it, built for a a postseason run at the moment. Nope, not at all. As a matter of fact, that it's going to
1: take, they're five points. <clears throat> excuse me. They're five points out of a playoff spot. They have yep. four remaining before the bye week. So we're not going to discuss two. the idea of the Penguins. Oh, four points. points. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Four available points, uh, remaining, before the bye week. We're not going to be discussing the idea of the Penguins sniffing even the wild card spot for another at least two weeks, guys. Well, we thought we going through most of this month. It was looking like, hey, you know, they get. They get this win right now, they're going to be in. Even if it's for the night, they're in. They're getting that sort of mojo going, and they immediately lose that game. Sorry, let's try that one again. We've got another opportunity. They win this game tonight. Even if they get an overtime loss tonight, they point out, they get in, they slide in. Again, even if it's just for the night, they hold on to it. They hold on that mojo. Uh, Two wins out west against a team you already beat once. I get they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but they were down Jack Eichel, and you shut them out earlier in the season. You lose in the third period like that. All right, it's Arizona. Maybe, again, you're not going to reach the playoffs, but a win could carry some momentum. Nope, lost badly, terribly. And now we're five points out, uh, two games remaining. This is going to be a tough run, and it's only going to get tougher because, I mean, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning and Detroit Red Wings holding down those two wildcard spots right now.
0: Not to mention three other teams between the Penguins and those two wildcard teams. I mean, Mm -hmm we'll talk about it in the second segment. Hope is not lost for the Penguins considering where they're at, but the way that they're playing and the way that this team is constructed, that's not encouraging. Let's I, put it that way. Yeah, it's
1: not. I laugh every time I look at the standings and I see that the Penguins are the only team with a plus goal differential not in the postseason, not in the post or not in a uh or out of the postseason. I can't work. I can't speak correctly today. They're a plus yeah. 12. Which is not bad. That's pretty solid. I mean, it's it's also more than multiple teams sitting in a playoff spot. But they're surrounded by a minus 24, a minus 20, a minus 36. When they win, they look pretty solid, right? They look pretty good. It feels like they're gaining momentum. But when they lose, it feels like the wheels are falling off. They are... It's tragic every time they lose. Like you said, yeah. they're 10-5-3, which isn't a terrible... Um, isn't a terrible run. But it's... Like I said, every one of those losses, just... It, comes at the worst possible time the least opportune time and it feels like they just didn't put it together it's a third period loss in Vegas it's an own goal loss in Arizona it's tragic
0: yeah it seems like there's times that this team just can't get out of their own way and it seems like there is a an artificial ceiling built of their own built of their own performance that is the playoff spot now they did technically sit in a playoff spot by points percentage at one point last week but you know. I, I get that
1: people look at points percentage, and I get it actually mattered whenever the season shut down. I'm not looking at points percentage. I'm looking at pure points. Like well, that's just me.
0: <laughs> here's the thing pure points doesn't take into account the games in hand that Pittsburgh Penguins have, but also, when you look at points percentage, doesn't take in, in into account the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins still need to win those games yeah. in hand, and that that's the biggest thing. You can look at it either way. By points percentage is probably, in my opinion, what I would look at, because that's on the team's actual performance to this point through the games that they have played, but the thing is with that, you do need to go out there and continue to perform. You do need to go out there and win those games in hand, and if they don't, they're going to be in an even worse position. That's the only reason they have... You know, right now, half-decent standing right now. I know that they're in seventh in the Metropolitan Division. I know that they are, I believe, in sixth place in the Wild Card rankings right now. But they have games in hand on everybody except for the Washington Capitals in the entire conference. Oh, and the Ottawa Senators, who are so far out of it that they're probably already just wondering who is staying versus who is actually going. But Pittsburgh Penguins, they got a lot to think about. And we'll discuss what Kyle Dubas is going to have to do here coming up after the break because he is in a very, very tough spot. We'll continue our discussion on the Pittsburgh Penguins after the break. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. And I know nobody wants to hear this right now, but I think it's a pretty good time for a reminder that a sports team should probably not dictate your mood. Uh, but after last night, it's it, it, it is hard, especially when we're here sit, sitting here talking about it for an hour. Uh, but just if you're out there, listen to some music, go to the gym, do what you need to do. Try to just clear your mind of the Pittsburgh Penguins stuff. I did that this morning. Felt really good, and then I came back and I was like, ah, i got to talk about this team for about an hour and a half this morning on recording. So uh, it brings you back down, but after this, I'm going to edit the podcast, write my article, and then I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it for the day. They don't practice today. It's a mental health thing. I need to ignore the remainder of Pittsburgh Penguins for the remainder of the day. <laughs> Guess what? You don't really have much of a choice. I don't. Um... I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I get paid to talk about them and write about them and know about them so unfortunately i will not be able to separate that much it was
1: Steelers season over uh and the pirates yeah. just you know they signed a guy yesterday actually it's a really interesting signing uh for the pirates but we're not here to talk buckos <laughs> i here to discuss the penguins who have continuously yeah. let us down and just <laughs> like i said i got no words i'm here i'm not letting them yeah. decide my mood i'm gonna have a good day today
0: yeah it's gonna be a good day but the sun is shining, at least in the DMV. I don't know about Pittsburgh, uh, but the sun is shining here. Partly it's cloudy. Cold, it's cold, partly cloudy. Partly cloudy. Thank it's 36. You. It's a little warmer than normal. There you go. All right, let's get back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, because I'm sure people are like, all right, you know what? I know you're trying to make me feel better, but it's not working. Talk about the Penguins and crap on the Penguins, which is what we'll probably be doing for the remainder of this episode. Kyle Dubas, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, president of Hockey Ops and general manager, first year he is uh, He's in a pretty tough spot right now. Last night, I've mentioned this before. Mentioned it to you last night in text messages. Mentioned it on the Iceberg Recap. Last night was the type of performance that expedites change. Mm-hmm. Whether that be a trade, whether that be a coaching change, assistant or otherwise, something. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure we're going to see that. There's two games left until the break. That break that Kyle Dubas mentioned a month and a half ago that he said, I'm going to give them until then. At this point... There's three days off. They have back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday, and then they hit that break. Do you think we see something happen this week before the Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Florida Panthers?
1: I just don't think. No. I don't think because trades don't. I mean, they could, but they don't really happen just overnight. Um, if anything, I bet maybe we see some minor league call-ups get a couple of game sample size from maybe a new a new face. Uh, that is still to be seen. We'll see where things go tomorrow mostly. Um I just don't see a big trade happening uh during these three days off, mostly because it's it would be it would feel like a gut reaction, would it not? Yeah, yeah which it would is, be too reactive. Yeah, which is not something you ideally want. Now, because because the Penguins could go in and put up two wins in two nights against Florida and Montreal. Florida, very good team right now. Montreal, middling around with the Penguins at the moment. In back-to-back nights before going to the bye week, suddenly you're looking at a 12-5-3 team since Kyle Dubas said he needs until the All-Star break to mm-hmm. kind of evaluate where things are and then make the decision where things are going. 12-5-3 sounds a lot better than 10-7-3. <laughs> Yeah. So you win both of those games, and suddenly, you know, there's still a decision that needs to be made. But maybe Kyle Dubas leans more in the buyers category. If they lose those games, oh, it's time to sell, 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 sell. Or if you if they lose those two games and you think you still have a shot, you think something's still sitting there, that's whenever you get all right, time to go all in now. Uh, that, but that's one of those tougher decisions to make. It seems like it's either buy or sell, not buy sell or a third option of let's see what happens but let's see what happens is over this is it's it's crunch time so i'd say these two games will decide things i'm it's oh it's that tough spot it's that tough spot jake Gansel is going to get brought up a lot in the next two weeks Mm -hmm. the future of the core is going to get brought up a lot in the next two weeks who else ryan graves Eric Carlson, possibly, but he's not going anywhere, but his name will come up a lot. It's going to be quite... Get ready to hear Kyle Dubas' name quite a lot in the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, from every single website, every single news source, every single sports talk, at least the ones that care about hockey, mainly the Canadian ones. Jim Rutherford's all fingers just waiting to hit
1: call on Kyle Dubas' number. He's just, he's just been waiting. Or I guess it's Patrick Alvin, but... That mm-hmm. three-way call. They're, they're all just sitting there. They're both waiting for uh, Kyle Dubas to say any inkling of Jake Gensel's name. Yeah.
0: I don't expect anything this week. I agree with you. But at what point is it too late? Because I understand, for the most part, Kyle Dubas came in here. He overhauled a large portion of this lineup. So you have to give them time to mesh and get on the same page and see what they can actually become. You need to give them substantial time. That time is usually 20 games when you don't have as much change. I can see it advancing to 30, maybe 35 games when you have this much change. But we're 44 games into the season, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have shown you what they are. Because they have, you know, fortunately, knock on wood, avoided catastrophic injury. Their goaltender's been healthy. Their top players have all been healthy. Yeah, they've had some injuries to the bottom six, but let's face it right now. Who's injured? John Ludvig, who's a third-pairing defenseman. People love him, I get it, but he's a third-pairing defenseman. Matt Nieto, who's a fourth-line left wing that should only have seven, eight minutes of ice time, whose role has been filled right now by Jansen Harkins, who's doing probably just as good as you would expect from Matt Nieto. And Riley Smith, a player that had two goals in 29 games. So, you're not missing anybody. You know what this team is. And it gets to the point where, is it, paralysis by analysis. You're waiting for them to show you something different when they might have just already shown you what they are. You're just hoping that it's different. It's just not what you wanted it to be. And at what point have you waited just a little bit too long? I think we are, if not already past that point, very quickly approaching that point of you waited too long to make a move. I understand not everybody is Jim Rutherford that the second you have a bad loss, he says, you know what? Who is the most beloved guy in that locker room? We're going to trade him for Tanner Pearson, who I know you loved him, but Horwat. but that was a horrible trade. It was a trade to get the attention of the guys in the locker room. I don't know if there's a trade that exists right now that'll get the attention of the guys in the locker room, not the way that it, it was intended back then, not the way that it would be intended right now. I'm not exactly sure what you can do with this team because there's a lot of trade clauses a lot of people I saw say Brian Rust, maybe you trade him. He has a lot of value. He had a pretty good start to the season. He has a full no move. He's price. not going anywhere. He can't go anywhere. You You're can not... waive
1: it. Yeah, he can,
0: but he's not going to. Give me a break with yeah, that. Why would he why would he put it in his contract if he was just going to waive it anyway. So, you know, I I think this is the point where you look at Kyle Dubas and you say you need to make the decision. If I don't expect the moves to be made, because like you said, that would be very reactionary if we see him pull the plug. The only reactionary move after something like this would be a coaching change. And this is where I think it's very interesting, because this is not a typical head coach relationship with an organization. Mike Sullivan has been here since 2016. He brought back-to-back cups, and then he won another playoff series in 2018. He hasn't won a playoff series since. He was given an extension with multiple years remaining on his contract, he was given a three-year extension that hasn't even begun yet. We all know how big of a relationship and how close of a relationship he has with Fenway Sports Group. That's the type of game last night when I say that expedites change. That's the type of game that a middling team like the Penguins that have underperformed to this point of the season would typically see their head coach get fired. Is it going to happen? I highly doubt it. Would it happen in most circumstances? Yes. Probably. The issue with a coaching
1: change is... Who do the Penguins have at the ready? Todd Reardon? We don't
0: like the way he's been going this year. Listen, and this is not a team that you bring in Bruce Boudreau and he automatically takes the reins off and they're amazing because this is a team that, yes, the Pittsburgh Penguins don't play without you know structure. They want defensive structure, but that defensive structure hasn't been good. If you bring in a guy like Bruce Boudreau and say, all right, let's loosen the reins on these guys, you're not going to have any defense. Nope the The reins on the defense, even though they're trying to play in a structure, have not been there. Right. So, it, you bring in somebody from outside, but I don't know who that would be. Exactly. But again, this is just the time that you see something like that happen, and that's the moment that everybody says, "Yeah, that's probably it." Yeah, that's probably it. Because it doesn't have to be Todd Reardon. It shouldn't be Todd Reardon, considering how much he's failed with the power play. It's probably not going to be J.D. Forrest, which has been the Penguins' course of action the last couple times they've had a firing in the middle of the season. But look at what the New York Islanders did. They just fished Patrick Waugh out of nowhere Canada and put him (laughs) behind their bench. There are coaches. Out of the, where was Patrick Waugh? In the queue, right? Somewhere. I don't know. He was coaching a
1: pretty prominent team in the queue. I'm almost positive. And maybe in the Quebec ramparts. Don't quote me on that. Um, But who do the Penguins have as options? They don't, it doesn't seem like they have connections, at least that um, would make, they'd be able to pull guys from. I don't know who who Kyle Dubas is connected to from former dealings. Unless the Sioux Greyhounds coach is ready to go. um, (laughs) I just don't know who, you know, Duba's, Duba's nose and that's why and I said Todd Reardon because he has head coaching experience and he's an associate coach he'd fill in as interim at the time so and, but again like having the coaching change discussion it, it still feels pointless the way Mike Sullivan's just in the pocket of Fenway he's, yeah, he's, he's not going anywhere anytime soon have mm-hmm. been banging that drum for well since that contract was signed because you have to remember that deal was signed essentially over the head of Hextall You think he had you think he had anything to do with that? I heard I heard through the grapevine Brian Burke wanted Sullivan gone pretty quickly. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. Um and nor will I go into too much more detail on it. But it was a Fenway thing. We all know it was a Fenway thing. And you know, it now he's gonna be here. Again, there's a lot of people, me included, that still think Mike Sullivan's the right guy for this job. He is. I think there's still positive things that can come from Mike Sullivan. Because, you know, a lot of times you look at, it's not Mike Sullivan, it's not the coaches on the ice making these poor decisions. It's not Mike Sullivan's fault that they scored an own goal. You feel bad for, you know, a high hockey IQ play like that Brian Russ made to kick that off. Yeah. Um, It does mostly fall on Latang and Malkin, but there was a lot more that went into it. The coaching change thing is so it's it's a big discussion to have that the Penguins aren't going to have any time soon with themselves. And when you mentioned no. a little bit ago at this point, a, a trade to wake up the locker room, ironically, that move is Jake Ensel because that would wake a lot of people up. But at the same time, not only that's, does that wake people up, that sets the alarm bells for the rebuild. Yeah, Get that's the construction white crew in season. here. It's Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that is a hundred percent waving the white flag on this season because Jake Gensel is one of the one of your top three performers on this team. Yeah. So if, if when you're outside of a playoff spot, you trade him, you're trying to wake up the locker room, trying to get better performances out of guys, but you're saying at that point, yeah, we'll try to make the playoffs, and that's about it. You know, and, and at this point, I don't I don't know what good that does because I think without some pretty substantial changes, this is not a team that makes the playoffs anyway. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it doesn't seem like it. No, we talked about it. They played well since they got that vote of confidence, 10-5-3, but they're still in seventh place in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, they have games in hand on these teams. Yeah, they're just a point or two behind most of these teams, but they're in seventh place in the Metropolitan Division. Let's not get this wrong. That's where they've sat for the majority of this season. They haven't sat in a playoff spot really since December of 2022. Spent the entirety of 2023 chasing a playoff spot, started poorer in this season, have been chasing a playoff spot ever since. They have not sat in a playoff spot in any serious fashion since December of 2022. That's where this team is at right now. This is a team that showed up in a game where you need a response and didn't respond. In fact, they embarrassed themselves in the making of another loss, another loss where you got zero points in the standings. And the thing is, with those games in hand, as we talked about, do you believe this is a team capable of rattling off 4 to 5 wins at any given moment to take advantage of those games in hand and to jump back into not just a playoff spot, but not the very last playoff spot to not be holding on by a thread? No, I don't. It's such a interesting con. You're right
1: because I don't see them really ha- doing that either. But I'm in my mind I'm kind of sitting here drawing the comparisons of if this Penguins team can just kind of fall backwards into a playoff spot, who else did that? Who- <laughs> Just like the Steelers did? Well. Suddenly we're looking at a lot of comparisons. And I think we've made these comparisons along <clears throat> a lot before. The idea that they both have coaches that many people want fired. Named Mike, ironically. <clears throat> um, but, you know, they and they've had previous success in their early tenures with the team. Things haven't gone great in, you know, in the in the what have you done for me recently era. The Steelers found their way to Back their way into a playoff spot after some poor, yep. poor performances. I mean, don't get me wrong. That you know, finding Mason not finding Mason Rudolph, throwing Mason Rudolph in there and collecting some wins. You know, you they did enough to make their way in. Mm-hmm. If the Penguins can just find a way to make their way in, if at if anything, it might get in, and we might have the discussion of is it worth being in the postseason like the like we had last year? Is it worth getting in if you're just going to tank out in the first round? I then said yes, because postseason sports, period, is a net positive for the team. It is a net positive for city and economy, stuff like that. But also, it gets the city excited. It gets the fans that little glimmer of hope of just anything can happen. Uh, The Penguins can back their way in, even if it is out in a couple of games. Prove that they turned the season around, right? They found some. They found some luck. They found some sort of run uh, at the right time, because the, did the Steelers not feel down and out after
0: losing to Indy? Yeah, losing. To, I was thinking like Arizona losing to. Well, Indy was the last of that three game stretch. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers. Sure, they they made the playoffs, and there was some hope for that week. There were a lot of people that had hope that they were going to be able to go out and beat Buffalo. And they made that game interesting. Let's be honest for a second. They did, and, and here's the thing. When you look at last season, what team made it to the Stanley Cup Final out of the Eastern Conference? The second wildcard <laughs> yeah. team. So, you know, it's always worth it to make the postseason. It's always better to be in the dance than out of the dance, especially when you're a team that's not going to bottom out like the Pittsburgh Penguins are. They're too far into the season to go down and and tank for Macklin Celebrini, so those who are saying that are simply either not paying attention or not smart enough to understand how sports work. We're 44 games into the season. They're not going to finish low enough to get Macklin Celebrini unless, by some chance, the, the odds or some people say the league wants the Pittsburgh Penguins to get them and they get into the draft lottery. But, you look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins are right now. They're a team that are outside of a playoff spot. We're talking about Kyle Dubas, what positions is he in? Is he going to start making the moves? Is he going to determine if this team is a buyer or a seller at the deadline? The trade deadline is 45 days away from today. The Penguins have 3 games in the next 17 days. For a pretty for most of the way, this is the team that you're going to see until you're about 2 weeks out of the uh, out of the trade deadline. So, They're not going to change their fortunes in three games all that much. Mm -hmm. They're not going to change the perspective all that much in three games. So this is the feeling. This is the analysis that you can really take into the time where you need to determine. And the time, like we mentioned, might have already passed. Are you buying or are you selling? Are you crapping or are you getting off the pot? What What is the determination here from Kyle Dubas? He needs to make it. I don't think the Penguins would be willing to part with the assets that it's going to take to bring in somebody substantial, nor should they right now. And like you mentioned, the Jake Gensel noise is only going to get louder. Riley Smith noise has already started up, even though he's injured. I'm sure Ricardo Raquel noise is going to start getting a little bit louder. Alex Nadelkovich, even though goalies are rarely moved, Alex Nadelkovich noise is going to get louder. There's a lot of players on this team that could all of a sudden be looking at needing to get you know, pack their bags and pack everything up and go to a new city because this team right now does not look good. They've performed poorly for the majority of the past couple of games for the last four periods, especially. And they're a team that can't come back in the third period from a deficit. And they're a team that you can't trust with a third period lead. So what do you have when you have all of that? You have a team that despite sitting in a good position, despite having hope based on their current standing in in the standings, a team that I don't know if anybody can trust to go and take advantage of those games in hand and take advantage of where they're currently sitting to get above other teams.
1: And the interesting part is, is that if it comes down to it and they do have to sell this year, uh, it they're going to try for the quick rebuild. They're going to try and come right back next year. Yeah. So you can see a move like like you said, Nadelkovic. I know I've been saying the Penguins need to stay out of the goalie market, but if they're just bottoming out this year, and rebuilding for... You can get an asset for... You can get a useful asset for next year for a guy like Um It's going to be fascinating. I think there's still a chance they could be buyers, but slight buyers. I think we said last episode or whatever it was that um, it's possible they don't make a ton of moves anyway. I mean, Jacob Chikrin legitimately fits exactly what the team is looking for. A young... Defa- I mean, we're, I'm throwing names out there. I'm, a, yeah. I'm yeah, essentially I throwing uh, things out that I've written I want people to go read. Um, Jacob Chikrin fits exactly what this team is looking for in young blue line help that has a year or two left. Um, there's a lot of ideas that can be tossed around if, you know, they could still be buyers for sure. They could still go for it. Like we said, ten, five, and three doesn't sound totally terrible. (sighs) Things just got to go right. They need to win these next two and maybe set themselves up for something nice and earn a reward. If anything, Cindy Crosby deserves a reward, but what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? Uh, and if not, they got to reload and rejuice for next year.
0: Yeah. The only reward I could see them doing is saying, Hey Jake, and this is highly illegal. You can't do it. I believe it's called tampering. Hey Jake, let's come to an agreement on a deal. You're not going to sign it right now. We're going to trade you at the deadline for a haul, and you're going to come back and, and sign this on July 1st. That's tampering. That's not allowed. But that's that's the only thing that I can think of that they would do to help Sidney Crosby right now is say, hey, we're going to trade him because this team is not it. We're going to get a bunch of assets to help this team next year, and then we're going to bring him back in the offseason. That's the only thing I can think of because you mentioned Jacob Churkin, and that goes exactly to what I said. This team does not have the assets, nor are they willing to part with the assets to go get a guy like Jacob Chikrin. They're just not. And, and if they do, interesting, because that's a complete departure from what they've been planning on doing and what they have been doing over the last year, but at least under Kyle Dubas, the last six, seven months, but... I just, I don't see them making that move. And I don't see them making a move that is commensurate to that. I see them making, if anything, like you mentioned, like a Kevin Adams last year, he went out and got Jordan Greenway for, I believe, like a third round pick or a fourth round pick or a prospect. That's probably the only thing they're going to do if they're buying. And that is if they're buying. And that's a huge if. So what does Kyle Dubas do? He's in a tough spot right now. He has three days off for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's going to have two practices, or they're going to have two practices that he's going to get to sit up on his perch and watch. And then he has two more games before a long, long layoff where he's going to be working very tirelessly to try to figure out the answer to what is hurting the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. And that's not it's not an easy answer to come upon. There are multiple issues with this team. And despite some pretty good play, like we keep saying it, they've played well over the past month. There have been times where they've played extremely well over the past month and a half. But they still sit in the same position. So it doesn't change anything. You can sit here and say, well... Ten, five, 5, and 3. That's not a bad record points percentage-wise. That's where they need to be. But they haven't moved anywhere. They're just as mediocre as everybody else in the Eastern Conference. Just a step below, though. There's, and that's the problem.
1: There's 16 teams surrounding mm-hmm. them. So, sorry, 15 teams surrounding them in the East. They got they—they yeah. they have to account for them as well. Do you think those teams are just going to... That's it? They're done scoring? They're done recording standings points? Nope. They have to... That's why you got to win those games in hand. That's why you have to beat those teams when they come up in the schedule like florida coming up i know florida's way ahead but you get what i'm saying and that's mm-hmm. why you have to
0: win the must wins
1: which is turning into all of them
0: yep yeah so uh we we've taken a long time on on this particular segment because it's a very interesting conundrum that the penguins president of hockey operations and general manager finds him, his himself in he's having all these discussions and more with his scouting staff, with his assistant general managers, I'm sure Jason Spezza and Amanda Kessel and Trevor Daly are all working tirelessly to try to find the fix to this problem. I mean, there's, there's multiple, like we mentioned, but you know, at the end of the day, something's going to have to happen. You have to get off your hands at some point. and, And that point, Is either already passed or it is this week. You have to do something or you have to at least start putting the wheels in motion to make some change for this team because, as is, this team is not a playoff team and it certainly is not a Stanley Cup contender. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg, Carlson, Malkin, they're not meshing. We'll talk about how bad it's been and really just the performance from each of those two players, two players that are pivotal to the Pittsburgh Penguins' chances for success. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, thought to be two future Hall of Famers. They are two future Hall of Famers, but something just isn't clicking with them. 44 games into their tenure, their first season together, and it just doesn't seem to mesh with 71 and 65. Seems like there's no chemistry between the two, and that is not a good thing. Whenever those two are the two primary quarterbacks on your power play, Maybe that's why the power play hasn't scored in, what, 18, 19 opportunities for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They scored technically yesterday on the Crosby goal. That was just after the Penguins' power play had expired. So, again, still, goalless in a long stretch. They went 0 for 37 earlier in the season. It's just not working, and it's running through those two, which means they're not working. And even when you look at 5-on-5, together, they're a minus 2, outscored 12 to 10, and have 56% of the expected goals on the ice. Malkin without Carlson is a minus three. Carlson without Malkin is a plus 11. That sounds a lot worse for Evgeny Malkin mm-hmm. than it does for Eric Carlson. But I think at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway is these two just don't mesh well, and it's it's hurting the power play. It's hurting at five on five. And it really... It, It kind of doesn't make any sense you would think two players of this caliber would be able to at this point at least form some chemistry
1: you'd think and this is part of this also goes into what a lot of people say whenever um a team brings on multiple stars excuse me how are they able to interact with each other is it overloading the overloading the cupboard is it you know you know what i mean it's that sort of thing it is the thought that a lot of people had when eric carlson came here in the first place is it too many superstars in one room it's what a lot of people think is you know holding the maple leafs back is it too much firepower uh because you can't do that it's what happens every year at the trade deadline those teams that overload go nowhere um it's it just seems to be happening with these two those theories those thoughts are coming to life for eric carlson eric carlson and evgeny malkin uh, and those numbers don't sound great i mean they are two future Hall of Famers, and you figure, yeah, it might be a slow start, but you know they're two very talented individuals that can figure it out, but yet uh, they just haven't. It's straight up. No other way of putting it. It's I, I don't know the solution to work. I've already said I think it's it might legitimately be time for the Penguins to look at demoting uh, Malkin somehow, some way. Power plays is a good option immediately. First That's start. the only option. I know because they don't have – Anyone who could take second line center rule.
0: Um, there's. And here's the thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Go I was going to say, and here's the thing. Even <clears throat> if you keep him at the second-line center, that's not the only option to, quote, demote the guy. Yeah, you can continue to have him as your second-line center on paper, but it comes to the deployment. Do mm-hmm. you have him on the ice less? Do you have his line on the ice less? But here's the problem with that. This team isn't built to, all right, let's elevate the third-line and fourth-line's minutes to, to make sure that Malkin's not on the ice as much, lessen his responsibility, let him focus more on shift-to-shift shift and less on the big picture. I think that's a good thing, and that, I think that's a good course of action to make Evgeny Malkin focus more on his shift-to-shift, shift, what's happening in the moment, than you know be worrying about what happened the game before or worrying about what happened the day before or worrying about the scoreboard in general. Let him just focus on this shift, go out there and score a goal. That That's what you want for Evgeny Malkin. But the problem is, this third line and this fourth line they don't deserve more minutes. Mm-hmm. They don't. Like, right. the third line scored a goal last night, but they shot it off of eight different players before it got in the net. Like, that, Lars Eller, nice. He got his eighth goal of the season. That should not have gone in the net, and that was a lucky goal and a lucky bounce. And, yeah, you need those sometimes. But to demote Evgeny Malkin, you just don't have the talent on the roster. Now, It that is a problem for Kyle Dubas. That is a problem caused by Ron Hextall for the most part. But at the end of the day, the only course of action that you have is to remove one of them from the power play and hope that kickstarts that unit. And I've I've mentioned it multiple times this week. It has to be Evgeny Malkin because you look at the way that Eric Carlson has performed and you look at the way that Eric Carlson can perform, I think he is your quarterback. He's the guy that you need up there. Evgeny Malkin has been the core and the heart of this power play for so long. He just doesn't look like the player that he had been in his entire career. He's not that player anymore. And on the power play, those two together at the top, it, it is just a disaster waiting to happen.
1: And we're seeing it. This power play is 30th in the league. Has it dipped? Because they missed a couple of opportunities last night. Um, don't know exactly because they entered yeah, they entered it against Arizona. 30th in the league. Man, we thought they were on to something whenever they scored to pick. The, 31st now. Way to go, guys. Okay. 31st. Right. Behind or ahead of only the Chicago Blackhawks. In reality, that percentage is not far behind, actually. The Penguins are 19... 19- for 143 with a 13.29. The Blackhawks are 18 for 148 with a 12.16. They're not far behind. This this Penguins team is not far behind whatsoever. Oh, is that also in... Oh, that's even funnier. The Blackhawks supposed also played three more games than the Penguins. Let's just chalk it up. The Penguins have the worst power play in the NHL right now. Yes. If you want to take the games played into effect as well. That is awful. Um... And at this point, it's a lost cause. What are what are uh, you? They've shuffled the personnel almost all season. They haven't given Crystal Tang that go on the first on the first uh, group. But I'll, I'll digress on that for now. It's a lost cause. It's a lost cause. Evgeny Malkin is going to have to be on it because he has the offensive talent. We know he still does. It's just not clicking. Um, know, it's here we go. I got nothing to say again. I'm out of it. I'm out of yeah. We. Yeah, it,
0: it's been a it's been a couple rough nights for Evgeny Malkin in a row. Yes. and here's the thing, it's been a rough year for him. I, I talked about it on my to go yesterday. He has he's on pace for 22 power play points. There's only one other time he hasn't scored 30 in his career, so it, it's it's not a good. It, it's just it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean Evgeny Malkin. You look at what he's done on the power play. It's not just turning the puck over, but it's, it's passing up opportunities. It's missing the net when he tries to shoot the puck. And when he tries to pass the puck, if it's not that five-foot pass to Eric Carlson that they do back and forth eight different times, he tries to fire it through three or four different defenders, and it usually gets picked off and sent down the zone. And then you have to do the breakout all over again. in the Pittsburgh Penguins, once they have to break the puck out, you might as well just fast forward until the end of the power play because their breakout is horrible and that's on Todd Reardon. It's not a problem that is caused by Evgeny Malkin alone, but the the quickest way to fix it would be to take one of those two off the the ice and Malkin with the way that he's performed this season and in its entirety and, and not to mention with, as we talked about, the fact that these two in particular, Malkin and Carlson, are not meshing. Meanwhile, Malkin and Crosby, or not Malkin and Crosby, Carlson and Crosby have been great together. Yeah. They have been phenomenal. It's been Harlem Globetrotter-esque, and that's nothing to do with Crosby versus Malkin or or Carlson versus Malkin. It's just chemistry. It's working with Crosby. It's not working with Malkin. So you have to take one of these guys off the unit. And it has to be of getting Malkin at this point. Now, with Eric Carlson, he has been just himself. These the everybody that is surprised that he's this bad in the defensive zone, you just haven't been paying close enough attention. He is bad in the defensive zone. He's on a nine-game point streak. You called it a farce? It's not. It's a nine-game point streak, and he has created those points. Very, very. Most of them are primary assists. One goal, nine assists. It is not a farce of a nine-game point streak, but it doesn't show you his overall performance. His overall performance is he's a sieve in the defensive zone, he's great in the offensive zone, and that's what he's been... Times ten, really. It's himself in overdrive over the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, it's he's producing, and that's good. That's what we. That's what he came here to do. Nine, a nine-game point streak is quite awesome to see. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the longest he's had this season because he had a seven or an eight-game one not too long ago. So yeah. that, that's great. That is phenomenal. It's it's just a matter of over that span, while he is nine, he's it's ten points, I believe, in those in those nine games. Yes. He's a minus player. That's where it becomes, a, yeah. Plus minus is a, you know, less than ideal stat to look at. But it doesn't help that in that stretch, let me find it here. It's being a minus at all when you are an offensive defenseman and hitting a run like this. Um, it's, I think, it's like a minus five. It's not loading for me now. Go figure. But he's a minus five. Minus yeah. five in that time. That doesn't mean, that means you're still getting nine, ten points. Ten points in that span. You're still getting scored against more times than you should be. And none of those points are power play points, I believe, because they haven't scored a power play goal in how long now. So it's yeah. not like that is playing a hand into the plus-minus factor of it.
0: There's two. Uh, oh yeah, the plus-minus factor. I was going to say, there are two, uh, two empty net goals that he factored in on with assists against Carolina and then the game before that, which I can't, uh, the Vancouver Canucks game, but... You know, he's just he, he, the defensive game is it has bottomed out yep. for him, and it's the worst possible time because Ryan Graves was starting to catch his footing a little bit, and now it you just you're you're on an island back there. You saw it last night against the Arizona Coyotes; he was on an la- island on that fifth goal. He wasn't able to make the play, and now he looks he looks bad because Eric Carlson jumped up in the play unnecessarily, pushing to try to get the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the game. Yes, but. You still have to be smart and Evgeny, or not Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson. You know, he made a rough play there and he's made a couple of rough defensive plays pretty much every single shift that he's been out there over the last week or so. So I don't know. This is a team right now that is in a very, very bad way. They 10, we keep saying the record 10 5 and 3. Looks good on paper. You watch the games and you think, man, this is not a team that deserves to make a playoffs right now. And at the end of the day, they still have what thirty-eight games left in the season. Enough. They have enough to do it, but there, there's the, the end is not here already, but the time to make change is past. Because if you don't make it now, you're not going to get in. You can't lose ground because you've already shown that even when you perform at a 600 level, you're not making up ground. You're still in seventh place in the Metro. You're still in sixth place in the Wild Card rankings. This team and this, uh, sorry, this conference is giving them every possible chance to get their act together. Devils have been injured all season long. The hurricanes have had a goalie issue and haven't performed up to their standard. The Toronto Maple Leafs have been bad at points. (sighs) The Detroit Red Wings have been bad at points. The Tampa Bay lightning are gettable this season. And yet the Pittsburgh Penguins haven't taken advantage. This conference has given you an opportunity. Penguins just haven't taken it. They, they have time to take it still but that time is quickly running out.
1: Uh, yep. Yep. I, I, that, yep. Yeah,
0: you're like, well, I mean, I, I, I've been out of words for 54 minutes. The, I don't have any left. No, you're
1: good. The, <laughs> yeah, the conference is giving you the opportunity. The lightning are, are, were out of a playoff spot. not too long ago. The red wings are in, but again, did they, or are they expected to stick there? Um, the Maple Leafs could very easily fall out of a playoff spot. Uh, and somehow the flyers are up there. Somehow yeah. the flyers are up there. So anything can truly happen because i think happen because i think they're still expected to bottom out and fall out of the playoff contention. There's still ample opportunity for the penguins to make the run, TM. But it's about to turn into the collapse trademark.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bad weekend. Bad weekend in the desert they come back east to take on Florida and Montreal, two teams that have given them fits. We'll see what they're able to do on on Friday and Saturday. We have plenty to talk about as this week continues. Penguins have two practices between now and then. We'll see if there's any changes that are made in the lineup. We'll see if there's any changes made to the coaching staff. That I highly doubt. And we'll see if there's any trades. Again, something that I would doubt happens, but I'm sure there are some irons in the fire up at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex as we're talking right now, honestly. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can follow us and find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from by simply searching Tip of the Iceberg. We will see you guys next time, hopefully. I mean, they won't have played a game, so ho- hopefully we have a little bit more positive news to talk about. Maybe an injured player comes back. Maybe we get Johnny Ludwig back for the Pittsburgh Penguins game against the uh, Florida Panthers. That one would be nice a little revenge spot for the right-handed defenseman. But that's it for this episode. We'll see you guys next time.